0: Hello. Good evening. Welcome to our meeting. This is the uh, November 27th regular meeting of the Board of Education for Shawnee Mission. November 12th. (laughs) November 12th. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. (laughs) Board of Education meeting. We're going to begin by the... I'm stamped forever. We're, we're going to begin with the Pledge of Allegiance and I'd like to invite the folks from uh, Broken Arrow Elementary to come forward and they're going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Everyone else can please stand. Come on
1: front, guys. To the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible with
0: liberty and justice for all. Thank you. And Mr. Harn, would you like to introduce our guests? There's a microphone right there at the podium. You just want to stand near that. That'd be great.
2: We have some 5th and 6th graders from Broken Arrow here, but this evening I will have them introduce themselves.
3: Hello, my name is Jack Hayworth, and um, I go to Broken Arrow. (coughs) Hello, my name is Chastity, and I go to Broken Arrow.
4: Hello, my name is Calista Wilcoxon, and I go to Broken Arrow.
5: Thank Great, you thank you
0: for being us. here. And we'll move on to uh, item number 1.03, and that's the adoption of the agenda. I'll seek a motion to adopt. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as presented, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Uh, With that, we'll move to 1.04, which is the approval of the minutes from the special meeting of October 22nd. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye.
6: Aye.
7: Aye.
0: Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We have another set of uh, minutes from the regular meeting of October 22nd. Seek a motion. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. With that, we'll move on to item number two, which is our superintendent's report, Dr. Fulton.
8: Okay. Thank you very much. We have lots of exciting news to share with you. I want to start off with our Rose Hill Engineers. Rose Hill Elementary School second graders recently engineered boats out of cardboard, duct tape, and tablecloth material. Their goal was to create a boat that would allow an adult to travel. Uh, an entire swimming pool. And so uh, we had lots of fun with that. We had Dr. Randy Watson, who's the Kansas Commissioner of Education, and one of his uh, deputies, along with myself and many other staff members, participate in this event. Some of us made it across, some of us didn't. (laughs) But all of us had a lot of fun uh, testing out the kids' uh, engineering projects. And so kudos to the students and to the staff for the wonderful job that they did with their engineering project we want to recognize andrew tab who's a senior at shawnee mission west high school he was a first place winner in the statewide kansas turnpike authority put the brakes on fatalities video contest um, andrew created a video encouraging individuals to avoid distracted driving he won a video camera and 500 dollars for his video production class which is taught by Kelly Gill. And we'll have a link to that video so that everybody can see that. Linda James, a third grade teacher at Blue Jacket Flint Elementary, was surprised with the news that she was named Teacher of the Month by a local radio station. Chris Combs and Cody Allen from 106.5 The Wolf stopped by the classroom to present James with a round of applause and a few prizes as part of the recognition and uh, Linda has served as a teacher for 36 years, and we certainly thank her for her service and what a great recognition that was. Student staff and graduates of Mill Creek Elementary School recently gathered to celebrate the school's 40th anniversary. The Mustangs held an assembly. They had a number of folks speak, uh, and uh, it was a wonderful event. The community followed the festivities with a variety of activities and demonstrations featuring students throughout the school. Principal Michelle Lord announced that in 40 years, Mill Creek has provided an education to more than 16,800 students. Wow, what an impact. Johnny Mission School District semifinalists in the 2019 National Merit Program recently gathered at the Center for Academic Achievement to be formally recognized. Board members (coughs) were present, uh, had the honor of being able to join them along with a number of district leaders and parents uh, for the reception. Shawnee Mission congratulate the 13 seniors who now have the opportunity to advance in competition for the National Merit Scholarship Award competition. So congratulate to the students and their parents. The We Care ICANN Food Drive was held across the district. We've been participating in that for some time. Students and staff in all buildings have been holding competitions and encouraging food donations to help support the Johnson County Christmas Bureau which helps families in need. Community partners at the Bureau have expressed to us uh, that the number there's a growing number of Johnson County families who are in need and the efforts of the Shawnee Mission School District help those families. We had a meeting here recently with a number of faith leaders, and uh, we talked about ways that faith-based organizations in the Shawnee Mission School District can build partnership. We also talked about the multi multiple opportunities for connection, including Caring for Kids, which is a wonderful organization uh, connecting schools, community members, and faith organizations to both adopt and support schools. And so we hope to and certainly will continue our conversations with our various faith leaders. The Project Blue Eagle um, students are excited because they have a new fire truck. This fall, the Lenexa Fire Department has donated a fire truck to the Shawnee Mission Law and Public Safety Signature Program. This is a vehicle that has served the community and now will assist in preparing candidates who are exploring future opportunities in firefighting. The board will consider acceptance of this donation later in the meeting, and we're glad to welcome those who are part of the Project Blue Eagle program to the meeting tonight. We're very uh, happy, pleased to have uh, the Lenexa Fire Chief here. If you could stand, we'd like to recognize you. Thank you for... And then finally, we're in the process of continuing to work on our strategic planning. Tomorrow night we have a a board superintendent retreat to focus on looking at the purpose of strategic planning, begin to look at uh, the big picture engagement process that we can bring our community together, look at ways that we can help improve learning for all kids. We'll also talk about the resources we might need to carry out that strategic planning process. So We'll meet tomorrow night. We'll have a good discussion. And then based on feedback from that discussion, we would then hope to bring to you in December uh, a plan that lays out both uh, the process and maybe a timeline for getting our strategic plan updated. Uh, And, you know, there'll be different stages to it, but we'll talk about what we want to accomplish this year and maybe what we want to accomplish next year as well. That concludes my report.
0: All right. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Uh, we'll move on to board report. We've got a lot of activities going on, meetings and the work of the board taking place. So we'll start with uh, Reverend Guy. Any update on SMAC PTA?
6: They're meeting tomorrow night, but I will be at the board retreat. So oh, yeah. I, I'm going to um, send them a report tomorrow, um, but I will not be able to attend.
9: Okay,
0: great. Thank you. Zousley uh, Education Foundation.
9: Um, there's not really much of a SMEF report for this evening, just they're thankful for all their community partnerships going into this Thanksgiving season.
0: Yeah. Great. KSB. Mrs. Zila.
1: Yes, and my report is a little bit longer than, than my previous fellow board members here, but we, we met on, um, I believe it was the 4th of November and 3rd of November. I think, Mary, was that right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, had a, we have a joint session to start the meeting, and that's with both the board of directors and the legislative committee. And during that joint session, we talked about and had a presentation from three of the Mercury schools, which is the KS. Ksde designated schools that are trying innovation, innovative things in their district, and um, the three that presented were Twin Valley, Wellington, and Olathe, and very interesting stuff that they told us, kind of that they're they are embracing in their districts. Um, Twin Valley lamented that they didn't have instructional coaches and curriculum mapping, which is something that we enjoy very much in Shawnee Mission, and I think it benefits our (coughs) students greatly. Um, The goals that they shared with us that they had for these innovations that they had um, are, again, really quite in line with Shawnee Mission, social-emotional needs of our students, project-based learning, community outreach, relationships between students and teachers and the community as, as a whole meaningful professional development, owning their data collection, in that they evaluate what they've done, they don't hold back, and um, they embrace and are accountable for the data that they collect. And the changing, changing the culture of buildings and the district to meet the needs of students. And I think that was all something that we embrace and try to do here in Shawnee Mission. So it was kind of like I think we're, we're rather innovative, even though we're not earmarked as one of the Mercury schools. And then um, we get a legislative report from Mark Tolman um, before the legislative committee breaks away, and I think he just had one point, I don't want to steal all your thunder, Mary, So um, that they made before they adjourned and went off to their own meeting. And then the rest of our meeting was pretty much organizational. It was talking about the audit, their financial statement. Um, A recap of the fall regional meetings that they had this year. The regional meeting was in Lawrence. I don't think a lot of us were able to attend just because of the the bit of a drive there. Um, And then they talked about the NSBA um, convention coming up next spring and the advocacy in January. And KASB's conference will be in Overland Park this year, which will make make travel time much better for all of us um, at the Sheridan Hotel here. So that's November 30th through December 2nd.
0: Great, thank you for the update. And uh, (coughs) Dr. Sinclair, you wanna pick up on the KASB governmental and legislative affairs?
6: Uh, Yes. So the legislative committee met to put some final thoughts around the priority issues for the the KSB legislative advocacy efforts for the year. So the um, Kansas Association of School Boards has um, permanent policies, standing policies, but every year they work to identify what priorities will be established for the year for that legislative session. So... um, for state legislative policies, there are kind of five areas that will be priority areas that are very similar to last year with some kind of minor tweaks in specification. But um, priorities are to attract and retain qualified, effective educators and support staff. Uh, second one is give all students the opportunity to succeed. Third one is increase support for student health and safety. Fourth one, prepare students for post-secondary education and career success. And the fifth one, support effective school operations. So there are a number of bullet points under each of those five priority areas. And then they also identify um, priority issues at the federal level. Um, And they kind of parallel what's happening in the state to a certain extent, um, looking at use of public funding for private education, kind of giving all kids an opportunity, so paying attention to those um, elements of federal funding, uh, supporting student, student health and safety, again at the federal level, that's kind of child nutrition policy, Medicaid services and health care, and also kind of looking at the student privacy data um, components. I, I did share a, um, a question about um, any work on McKinney-Vento and to keep an eye on kind of transportation funding as a component of uh, some looking at that degree of coordination. I know that's something that was um, kind of identified. Um, And then looking at support for effective school operations. So, again, looking at federal aid. and So there is a legislator from Kentucky who will be new to chairing up the um, Education Budget Committee at the federal level, and um, that's good news.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue that legislative conversation in a bit.
6: Mm
7: -hmm.
0: Uh, With that, I'll turn to Mm -hmm. Mrs. Goodburn. Update on constituent services.
7: Well, we met last week, our second meeting last Tuesday. Um, I don't really have an update at this point, other than we're looking at really in the first quarter being able to. We have another meeting scheduled soon, and um, we all have kind of things to be doing and things we're looking at. And I don't really have an update right now, other than in the first quarter, hopefully we'll have something for you all.
0: Great. And Mrs. Zila with professional services.
1: Yes. Um, We did meet, and we received seven proposals for legal firm services. Um, We are Assessing those proposals, and we'll move ahead to interviews um, with hopefully a selected number of firms there. And we believe we'll be able to make a recommendation to the rest of the board as a committee um, on the December 17th meeting, just like we were hoping last time I reported out.
0: Thank you. And Mm -hmm. any update on social media?
9: No, we don't have an update there.
0: All right. Thank you for all your work on these committees and the continued work of the board. We appreciate that. With that, we'll move on to item 2.03, which is public comment, and uh, we have a couple folks to speak today. I'll read a couple of quick things about the public comment section of our meeting. Uh, Public comment occurs at regular scheduled Board of Education meetings to provide an opportunity for individuals to address the board regarding school district issues. There are a few reminders that will help speakers have a constructive and positive experience when presenting to the comments of the board. Uh, Proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city of residence, and what school your children may attend if applicable, and the name of any group or organization you may be representing. We'll ask you to limit your comments uh, remarks to three minutes. And um, we ask that you please make the comments behind the podium. And with that, we'll bring forward our first speaker, and it is Rudy Padilla. Welcome.
10: Uh, Good evening, everyone. Uh, Good to see Chief Douglas today, and uh, Heather Owsley and uh, Dr. Felton. Uh, Thank you all for giving me uh, three minutes. Uh, You know, um, I've been active in the Hispanic community uh, since the early 1970s, and over the years I've become increasingly concerned about the lack of young Hispanic leaders we have in the Kansas City area, I very much uh, appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to, speak, to speak to you all, and uh, I think you all agree that uh, uh, we need our young people involved uh, in our future communities and neighborhoods, uh, in our, in our uh, schools, and, and in our schools, and parents speaking to their children we can discuss the Hispanic American. Uh, it is important for Hispanic students to know their ancestors accomplished much here in North America. This is important today because of the hateful and inflammatory comments we hear coming from politicians in the media. A brief history of the Hispanic people in North America began shortly after the arrival of the Spanish in the, in the late 1400's. By the 1500s, the marriage of Spanish soldiers and Indian women in what is now southern Mexico was the beginning of the Hispanic American. Soon the Hispanic American were part of the Hispanic explorer groups along with Native Americans. And many are not aware that the Spanish, the Spanish was spoken in Kansas in 1541. That was 80 years before the English arrived aboard the Mayflower on the east coast. For the battle for independence, Spain sent troops from Mexico, Central America, and Caribbean to fight for America in their war for independence from England. The American cowboy learned their trade from the Mexican vaquero. The land of the West Coast and the Southwest once belonged to Mexico. Hispanics have fought for the U.S. in every war in which they have been involved. Hispanics fought with distinction that were awarded many medals and honors. Myself, I come from a family of six sons, five of which are military veterans. Four of us volunteered for military service. I also lost two cousins and one nephew in the Vietnam War. Hispanic Americans have been productive in this country for many years. We deserve respect and for several years I've made monthly presentations in the Kansas City, Kansas Public Library and the hope through education our younger generation will be treated as equals. And uh, I do have copies of information in my presentations if you care to stop by. And uh, I thank you for your time and attention. And uh, again, again, uh, nice seeing you all. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, you, Mr. Padilla. Appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Next up, uh, Linda Seek.
3: We're doing kind of a duet here, if you will. Um, this week, we're celebrating American Education Week. The National Education Association was one of the creators and original sponsors of American Education Week. In its history, dist- uh, distressed that 25% of the country's World War I draftees were illiterate and 9% were physically unfit, representatives of the NEA and the American Legion met in 1919 to seek ways to generate public support for education. The conventions of both organizations uh, subsequently adopted resolutions of support for a national effort to raise public awareness of the importance of education. A hundred years later, we're still fighting um, for um, public education and for the children that we serve. We are so fortunate in this district that we have educators and educator professionals, support professionals, um, that care very deeply about the children in our district and um, we want what's best for them. We're also very fortunate to have a community that supports public schools, whether it be a bond issue, uh, volunteers, uh, working to elect friendly public education legislators and governors, and uh, we're just thrilled to be here to uh, recognize American Education Week and all those that work in our schools.
11: I have a proclamation uh, that I want to read to you on behalf of American Education Week. Whereas public schools are the backbone of our democracy, providing young people with the tools they need to maintain our nation's precious values of freedom, civility, and equality. And whereas by equipping young Americans with both practical skills and broader intellectual abilities, schools give them hope for and access to a productive future. And whereas education employees, be they substitute educators, custodians, teachers, bus drivers, librarians, administrators, or any of the district's many other committed and dedicated staff, work tirelessly to serve our children and communities with care and professionalism. And whereas schools encourage community, bringing together adults and children, educators and volunteers, business leaders and elected officials in a common enterprise, Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Shawnee Mission School District and the NEA Shawnee Mission do hereby proclaim November 12 through 16, 2018, as the 97th Annual Observance of American Education Week, signed by Mike Fulton, Superintendent, and Linda Seek, President, NEA Shawnee Mission.
0: Thank Thank you. Thank you for that update and also for all the work of the educators in this district. It's appreciated. With that, we'll move on to our next items, and that is uh, the legislative update. And our first one is uh, 3.01, and I'll have uh, Dr. Stuart Little come forward with an update on uh, a few happenings that took place last week in the state of Kansas. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I've you all probably have been immersed in this as well, so it'll be interesting. I'm going to spend most of my time talking about kind of what this means maybe and and some of those kind of changes. I want to thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to come and speak with you and Dr. Fulton. Um, I have a written report that I provided to you all and and there are um, a lot of things coming up, a lot of work to be done in the uh, coming months. I'm going to give you a brief overview of a couple of issues in Topeka, talk a bit about the election in, in particular, how that will have an impact on the policy issues that we are be dealing with and funding issues in next legislative session. And then if you, if we'd had some brief conversation, I think about maybe talking about the platform, if you wanted to go through and have some discussion about that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, I would note there are kind of the two issues in, a, in addition to the elections that were uh, over the summer. Can't forget on June 24th, the Supreme Court said the school finance formula is not adequate. You all have to go back and fix that next session. That is looming. They have requested uh, the addition of uh, inflationary money to, uh, to fulfill the formula. They said that in general, it, it, the, the equity issue, the adequacy issues need to be fixed with uh, with that additional funding. And that is is laying out there. The second issue that I want to emphasize is revenue, because those are connected to the school finance issues. The, the, the state, after the 2017 tax uh, bill was passed, there was uh, additional revenue at the end of the last fiscal year. The revenue that uh, estimates that were made just last Friday are anticipating additional revenue from that tax plan. So going into the 2019 legislative session, the legislature is going to have as of right now, a $900 million ending balance, so there are, there are cash reserves there, as well as uh, a small issue, but it's going to have a significance to the tune of at least probably $100 million a year. Uh, internet sales tax, there was a Supreme Court decision uh, Wayfair v. South Dakota that will generate a estimated uh, at least $100 million a year in revenue that will begin, I think, probably January 1. So um, we're going to, we do have revenue that's out there uh, to, to have conversations about what to do with those that money, I, I will mention briefly the um uh, and I'm going to circle back and talk about money at the end. That's why that's important. But uh, just to hit hit a couple of the highlights on the election side uh, and, and what they will mean. Uh, my report notes that we will have four new members of our House legislative delegation when uh, we start back up on the 14th of January. And then uh, though of course, will be no changes in our Senate delegation. Those None of those folks were up for re-election this year. Uh, what it will mean, uh, and I'll t- talk in just kind of general terms about what will be the impact of the legislation uh, at, at the state legislative level. Um, in general, one thing to keep in mind is that the legislature didn't change very much. Uh, it, it is... Uh, it is. Uh, The breakdown between Democrats and Republicans on the House side, and keep in mind only one senator was up for re-election, despite the change in the the governor's office, the the split in the House of Representatives is still going to be 85 to 40, uh, 85 Republicans, 40 Democrats, and that we will have uh, essentially the same legislature. The House is going to be a little more conservative, and I'll talk a bit about why that's the case. Um, I I would note that... um, um, what will be the most interesting thing to watch is after eight years having a, a, a governor's office controlled by another party, and what that will mean in the dynamics between the House and the Senate and how the legislature will handle uh, policy and funding questions and those kinds of things will be uh, be different than what we've experienced for the last eight years and that, that will be they'll have to figure out how they're going to work that out. There are lots of big issues coming up. Uh, we'll have uh, 29 new House members there were 34 new House members after 2016. so again pretty significant change coming this year. The Republicans will have their 85 majority. Uh, there were uh, Democrats uh, lost for seats, but picked up four seats, and all four of those were in Johnson County, so that's going to have an impact. Um, The Republican caucus, because of losses in the primary elections, where a, a significant number, up to six moderates, were beaten in primaries means that there's been a shift in the coalition. We had kind of an even split between <laughs> moderates and conservatives in the Republican caucus. It shifted a little bit to the to the conservative side, and what that means is we may have some changes in leadership. It's likely that the majority leader uh, of the House will be challenged for his position. Uh, a, a representative who was the the speaker pro tem of the House was elected to a statewide office, so his position will be open. So there is going to be change in leadership, and that'll have some, could have theoretically some impact on who's on committees, who's serving on committees. More importantly, it's going to have an impact on what reaches the floor. So when I come back and talk about policy issues, how things are going to make it through the process will have be impacted a bit by this. Um, one of the things I think that, uh, to note is on the House Education Committee and the House K-12 Budget Committee, the committees that did the, the work on putting together school finance formulas for the last four years. There will be significant change there. There will be six of the 17 members of the House Education Committee were defeated or did not run. Uh, And then on the House K-12 Budget Committee, five of the 17 members on that committee were defeated and will not be back again. So there's going to be a lot of new new folks. I make my appeal to our, our legislators. If you're not on the education committees, please ask to do that because they're going to be doing that in a while, and we lost a couple people off those committees. Um, in the Senate, of course, there was only one, uh, one race that was in southeast Kansas, but there were three important changes going to happen in the Senate. Uh, State Senator Laura Kelly and State Senator Lynn uh, Rogers, of course, will not be back in the Senate, so they're gonna, their positions are going to be filled by Democrat precinct people in their districts, and then those folks will face re-election in two years at the next scheduled election, uh, as well as Vicki Schmidt, who was a Republican in from Shawnee County, she was elected insurance commissioner. Her position we will be filled as well. Uh, not quite as much impact on the education, but that's all the leadership of the Senate Health Committee. So that'll have you, if you care about health issues, things are going to be different in the Senate, I suspect. Um, obviously, there was the uh, election of a new state board of education uh, representative from uh, four here, uh, Michelle Dombrowski, and then obviously at the federal level, Sharice uh, uh, Davids defeated uh, Congressman Yoder. So all of those changes, what does that mean for us in terms of policy stuff? And I'll briefly uh, highlight, the legislature now is going to be faced with, this when they come back, the Supreme Court order to add Additional funding, how much that is, between 200 million, 500 million. I think there's some coalescing around 90 million maybe over the course of three or four years. Um, So how will that exactly happen in the process? How will it work? I think it is fair to say that the legislature will do things exactly as they've done in the past. They're not going to fix this early. This will be late in the session. They'll need to figure out what they're going to do about tax bills, what they're going to do about other spending, and then finally get around to getting the votes to do that. So, again, I don't think this is going to be resolved quickly and early. The court has said if you don't have a response, back, suitable response back by the 30th of June, that they'll, they'll take that action again. It will be late again as it was before, and the dynamic of having a governor from a different party is going to probably make that even more complex. Um, There will be no strong majority in the House. We're still going to have a very divided uh, caucus there. There aren't 63 votes to do anything, so anything that's going to be done is going to be put together by groups of people. there are going to be a lot of issues coming up this year uh, and 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 uh, going to have to be navigated. A lot of tax issues, the change in federal tax policy, the decoupling that was uh, defeated on a tie vote at the end of the session will pass this legislative session because it would have passed if people would have been present the last time. The caucus is more supportive of that, so I think that will pass. What the governor will do is an issue. Uh, sales tax on food is going to come up, Medicaid expansion is going to be an issue what to do about can care, and one of the the, the health care system. Um, uh, one of the things to keep in mind is about is that this 2018 election was the first time that a lot of... Uh, uh, folks that were elected in twenty sixteen and then passed the sales tax or passed the tax increase in twenty seventeen and then funded two years of school finance. This was the first year those folks faced re-election. 2020, the next election, will be the first time Senators who were elected in 2016 and voted for the repeal of the tax plan and then added uh, education funding twice and will be faced with doing that one more time. They're gonna they're gonna be facing that election in 2020. So that while well, the Senate sat in this one out, they're going to be, we're kind of laying the groundwork for what may happen at Senate elections in two years, not to just get an election done a week ago and talk about the next ones, but that's what people in my business do. Uh, things that are, are going to less likely to be significant after the outcome of the election last week were some of the issues such as expansion of the current tuition scholarship program, some expanded conversations about school choice and those kinds of things. That uh, there, Some of those issues are less likely to get uh, addressed this legislative session if they are like I've said before, there's not a great a majority to push through much of, of anything without working together, and so those things are, are less likely to Take place. Two things I would mention that have been happening as well over the summer have been the the, uh, interim activities related to dyslexia task force. They've been working uh, at a subcommittee level. There will be a final report that will come out soon that will talk a bit about identification of students and and making some suggestions as well as kind of a continuation of a mental health and schools initiative that was pilot that began last year. They're going to be at the 2019 session coming back and uh, looking if, if there's data that can be looked at about getting more money to Expand that, and it'll be a, a depend. I don't, don't know who's going to be selected to be in the next round, but that's a question up for debate. Um, the last thing I would mention is that uh, on December 3rd, the legislature will reconvene in Topeka to go through leadership elections. They'll be picking who's going to be in charge, breaking into their caucuses, and picking it up. After that meeting, we'll have, over the coming weeks, assignments to committees, chairs. We'll have a new education chair because he didn't run again in the House. Lots of changes, filling slots. So lots of those things will get worked out um, uh, in that kind of mid-December so we get ready for the, the legislative session. That's kind of a, probably not quick, but an overview of legislative issues. I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have.
0: Questions for Dr. Little? Yes, Dr. Sinclair.
2: Thank you for that. Very
6: thorough. Can I add one more question to that list? Um, Is the the special ed performance audit is due? That's is that on the list to do this year?
2: What's What's the next performance audit? Why am I thinking it's special ed? I do not know off the top of my head, but I'll look that up.
6: Um, Okay. Well, if you just think about kind of where we're at with special education and issues there, are there any particular? Policy changes, thoughts about what might come out, what might be addressed in an audit, or kind of I'm sorry, might be getting ahead of.
2: Well, I'm 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 I I'm, i i am i do not know when it comes up next, okay. and, and I'll, I would need to review okay. that scope statement okay. that they they had about that, but I'll I'll pull out that list of what the schedule is and make sure I get it back to you all. Okay. I, I'm happy to be receptive if you have some yeah, no. thoughts about. It. Yeah.
10: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Other questions? As a reminder, the process is to develop a legislative platform and have it updated and ready to go for the legislative session, which begins in January. Uh, we have two board meetings after this one, so we will consider a draft and then a final uh, approval of that uh, platform so at the november 26 meeting we will begin to discuss the actual platform and then we will dive into the final draft and uh, approval of that platform at our december meeting did you have any comments you want to make about our current platform?
2: I did not. I, I know at the last meeting you all had a brief conversation and ran over the components of that. I was, uh, in 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 part, just offering up if there was anything that you that there was interest in having something uh, drafted or prepared or something for you all to consider when you sat down the next time on the 26th. I just make myself available to do that, either through Dr. Fulton's office or now, whatever is convenient.
0: Great, and are there any board members that would like to assist with uh, the re- re- revision and update of that, uh, the draft of the platform for next year? I will. So we've got four here. i <laughs> um, sure what to do. Let's do four. It's an open meeting. There we go. So we will uh, have all four of these members that uh, raise their hand, Mrs. Zila and Mrs. Owsley, Dr. Sinclair and Mrs. Mack. So they will work with Dr. Atha. We'll be one of the ones developing the policy and with the guidance of Dr. Little as well. And that way we could have a, a first draft to be reviewed on November 26th and then we'll consider it for final approval on our December meeting. All right. Anything else for Dr. Little? Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. And with that, we'll move on to 5... I'm sorry, 3.02 and uh, Dr. Fulton, the facilities report.
8: Yes, thank you. Dr. Atha is going to uh, kick it off and then... I believe Mr. Robinson will also be presenting.
12: Yes, Dr. Fulton, Mr. Stratton, members of the Board of Education. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you uh, Bob Robinson, Executive Director of Facilities, who will give an overview of the Facilities Program evaluation. As Mr. Robinson presents his information this evening, please note the complete program report to include the PowerPoint is on board docs for the community to review in its entirety and this is not an exception as you know each of the program reviews have been on board docs for our community to openly look at and and uh, uh, and review so without with that said uh,
13: mr. Robinson. Yes, sir. Thank you mr. chairman member of the boards it's a pleasure to be here tonight to talk to you about the programs I wanted to take a brief minute to introduce some of my team members that are with me here tonight uh, Tyler Club director of facilities uh, Jud Rimmers custodial supervisor Gary Bresman project manager and Joan Levins sustainable and community engagement these I uh, wanted to take the minute to thank these guys for everything they do for the district thank, thank you. you. Now let's get into the presentation. As You've guys seen these uh, slides before, but most of the funding for my department comes from capital outlay. Out of the capital outlay, you know, only certain things can be uh, paid for out of that. Construction, renovation, furnishing, equipment, technology, software, maintenance, and uh, uniform. So. Uh, So about $12 million is what was in my budget this year out of capital funds. And then we have the remainder of the bond funding to spend $16.9 million, uh, which you guys have already approved some uh, architects to start uh, putting that together for us. A little bit about the facility department, we moved to a new facility this year. Uh, We have 5.3 million square feet of building space that we maintain and 867 acres of uh, grass area that we maintain. As you can see from the chart on the right, our uh, work orders continue to rise each year. This is a a chart of our buildings and the cleanliness of our buildings. We started this in 2016. Uh, It's kind of hard to see, but if you see our ratings have, have continued to go up, they didn't get as big as jump between 17 and 18. Uh, some of that we attribute to some training we need to improve on and uh, staff turnover. But, you know, the, the hope is that we improve that every year. These are a few projects that we have under construction at this time. The top two pictures are the uh, soccer complex. We added two turf, synthetic turf fields there. Uh, those slides are a few weeks old. So both fields are completed at this time. Then we have the Aquatic Center in the lower left. That project should complete July, August of next year. And then we have Brookwood which we'll move into over a spring break. These are just a list of some of the projects we've completed over the last summer. I uh, won't go into all of them, but some of the highlights are the HVAC work that we did at East, North, Northwest, West, and West Ridge. And uh, We started uh, sound and lighting <coughs> <excuse me coughs> improvements at the high schools and middle schools. We did uh, Phase 1 last year and we're we'll do- doing Phase 2 this year. These are a few of the larger projects that we've completed over the last two years. Uh, The new elementary schools, uh, Center for Academic Achievement, the warehouse in Shawano were capital funding and then the others were bond funding. This slide's really hard to see, but what we we worked with a couple of architectural firms and we asked them to evaluate our 10 oldest schools and our early childhood center just to rate them to, uh, to how how they rated with uh, education, um, different areas of the school, and there's, those are the ratings. So, it, And as you remember, last uh, board meeting, you guys approved us to do this same type of uh, function for the high schools and middle schools. So what I hope to have for you sometime after the first of the year is kind of a... Uh, report card on the conditions of what the schools are in and then as we start thinking about you know what's our next step as far as uh, renovations uh, or, or replacement of these sites so i hope to have some really good information for to share with you guys for that that's my report I'd be happy to answer any questions oh one other thing i on the um, handout i i had down there that we did the open house here in 2016 it was 2017, so I had that wrong on, on my report. All right. Questions for Mr. Robinson? Yes, Mrs. I Zayla. just
1: have a comment. And The last slide that you had up there about the, the rating system, the assessment that you had f- through architecture firms and engineering firms, I think is brilliant because it's really hard to know when you know the buildings, but to have an outside objective eyes looking on our buildings and get a ranking like right. that helps a lot when we try to identify these. And and
13: our in-house ranking would have been real close to that, but there was a few differences in that as we looked at that information.
1: It's a great system, I think. Thank you.
0: Dr. Sinclair.
6: Um, Thank you, I had two um, questions. On the second slide, Mm -hmm. um, you had the bucket and the capital outlay Mm -hmm. budget. Um, can you explain just kind of there's a your operating budget for this year for capital outlay is 12 million, mm-hmm. but there's 49 million. If you look at the slide, right. can you just explain that?
13: I, there? I can't explain where the other funds go. Russ Knapp, if he's here, could I'm sorry. Okay. probably do that. But all I know is I only get a, a portion so, of that. Not so it's
6: the, not that all of them. Uh, right. So I'm saying it's not that all of them are available. Right. Right. Okay. Different, sorry. You know, Again, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. That's all right. Okay. Um, and then the other piece. Do you have any thoughts about kind of the rising trend in requests, or you know, there's a there's always kind of right a gap between responding, getting a request, and responding to it. Is that
13: you're a referring function? to the work orders at yeah. this point? Yeah.
6: So is that a function of kind of the staffing shortage? There's some positions to be filled, or is it that those are kind of bigger fixes that might feed into maybe a bond issue or You know, something.
13: I think some of that is, is the age of our facilities that you get more things need to be done as the, okay. as the schools age, uh, and, you know, we started with a new uh, software program in 2016, so we were able to track that a little better, okay. so I think it's a little bit of both of those. Okay. It's
6: great information. Thank you.
13: Thank you. Other questions? Yes,
0: Reverend Guy.
6: The, your graph with the oldest elementary sites conditions report. Uh-huh. Um, so, the m- most points possible were a thousand, correct? So, correct. we have schools that are basically coming in at half of that 523, 557. So, is there any kind of evaluation of how much more life we can squeeze out of those schools given their present?
7: Condition.
13: Well, that'll be a decision we'll have to make as we put together what will it take to bring them up to uh, that condition compared to what would it take to replace them if that's what you decide to do. So there'll be a lot of decisions we'll make as we go into strategic planning and we start working with our committees on what is the best thing to happen. You know, my rating would have been close to that, but I, I would have probably had Pawnee a little higher on the list than what they had there. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's all just... You know how, how you look at it and they they tried to be pretty honest with all their, their numbers. So it gives us something to look at and I really have a second set of eyes to look at it.
6: Okay,
13: thank you. Other questions? Yes, Mrs. Housley.
9: Um I've gotten a lot of inquiries this year regarding the heating systems at various buildings mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure we're so we're tracking all of those complaints right. and we're getting those up to speeds. There mm-hmm. were parts that needed to be ordered for a couple of buildings and those are coming in right. and
13: you know, a district this size with 5.3 million square feet, there's always gonna be a heating and cooling problem, no matter what we try to do. And we've, over the last four years, replaced a lot of older equipment, but we still have, you know, even a building that was built in 1990, that equipment's at the end of life. So it's just a continual battle and a continual dollar amount that you gotta put in there to keep the buildings running right. Mm-hmm.
9: Winter just came early this year. Well, I did
13: that too. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Other questions? Thank you very much for the report. Thank you. Very helpful. Appreciate it. Dr. Fulton will turn to you for 3.03, the advanced placement.
8: Yes. Dr. Hunter is going to start it off.
5: Good evening. We're excited to share some more data with you tonight. Uh, we're going to be sharing at the next board meeting the large academic report, but again, we're going to chunk out the data over the years. So, I ask uh, Dr. Grumman to join me, and tonight we're going to talk about advanced
4: placement. Good evening. Um, thank you for inviting me back. Uh, the ACT must report must have been okay uh, for f- for <laughs> okay. full disclosure. I, and I noticed that there was a consent agenda item for the purchase of AP materials, and these are these are unrelated. But it is it did happen to work out just right to have those those on the agenda as well. So um, when we talk about AP, uh, you know, AP is sort of integrated within a, a lot of opportunities that students have for obtaining college credit. Or um, some kind of recognition of, of college readiness. So this is one of many um, pieces that we, or opportunities that we have available to students. Um, we're going to just take a real quick snapshot on, on uh, enrollment, uh, AP test participation, and, and of course the results in there too. So there's a lot of different perspectives that you can you can look at this this data through a lot of different lenses. So the first piece is, is just a, a snapshot. Of a uh, number of students who are taking uh, AP courses in Shawnee Mission, uh, students participating in the exams, and and then of course the uh, number of exams completed because students can take uh, multiple exams as well. So, uh, I'll give you a chance to to look at that for a moment. Um, the you know my my. Couple observations I make from this particular table. One, within Shawnee Mission compared to the state of Kansas, we have more than 10% of the exams across the state of Kansas. We have a significant portion of participation in, within the state, and that are we have a lot of a lot of students taking AP courses. 2,156 students um, taking at least one AP AP course. That's that's a significant number. Also uh, realize, and there's a bullet point on the, on the next page here, students can participate in an AP exam without actually taking an AP course. And I, and I have some e- examples of this as well. But um, any of you could actually sign up to take an AP course if you can find a school that's willing to administer, or an AP exam, I'm sorry, AP exam if you can find a school that's willing to administer it to you. So um, it's not limited to students that are just taking the course. Um, so on average, um, about 44% of our students who are in an AP course choose to take the exam, uh, the corresponding exam. Um, also realize within many of those courses, students have other opportunities to attain credit, uh, most notably the credit opportunities through Johnson County Community College or Baker University. Uh, the, most, the five most popular exams are in, in English language arts and social studies courses. Um, and there's uh, at the bottom are a couple of those examples. We have, for example, some freshmen who take um, the AP Human Geography exam. Most, many of those are sitting in a, an honors world regional course, and the teacher does some some extra things with those students. We also have some IB students who also choose to take um, uh, an AP exam in the first year of the two-year course sequence. Um, music theory is another example. Students might be doing like an independent music theory, and they they'll take the exam. Um, a quick snapshot of the uh, course participation by, de- by student demographics. So on the left-hand side are, is the demographic makeup of all students in grades 11 and 12. So that's, that would be our comparison group. And on the right-hand side is the demographic makeup of the uh, students taking um, one or more AP course. Uh, so you can see there are some differences both in the in the in the uh, race ethnicity makeup and also in the um, um, when we look at students who are receiving free or reduced lunch um, in in each of those pie graphs. So there there is a little bit of dis, uh, disproportionality. I suppose that 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 we we could work on on, on the uh, course enrollment piece. Um, demographics for exam participation look very much the same. Um, as the course participation, so there's not necessarily a difference between w- whether or not you take, take the exam uh, w- within those courses. The, the, these two slides look very similar to each other. Um, this is a graph that shows a long-term trend, a very long-term trend on AP exam participation, which is this, the, uh, the top graph. So back in 1994 we only had 355 exams administered, and now we're currently at 1,981, and the bottom graph shows the average score across all of those exams uh, since 1994. Uh, if you recall, um, some of you may recall, <clears throat> in 2008, uh, there was a point where we um, chose to, um, we, we, we put in place a policy where, where a- students could only receive the AP Designation on their transcript if they participate in the exam. We discontinued that policy, I think, in 2014, somewhere in there. And one of the things that's remarkable about that, that even that change, is the number of exams did not come down. We've still been able to maintain the number of, exam, of exams since that since that change. <clears throat> this graph shows um, a comparison between uh, Shawnee Mission. Um, AP exam averages compared to the the uh, the state and the nation um, we're consistently above the nation um, for for quite some time um, we go a little bit back and forth with the state in part because we're such a substantial portion of the of, of the of the state AP participation average that um, we're going to tend to be closer to where the state average is much of our results are will drive actually drive the state average and uh, that I believe yes so' Are other questions follow-up questions on AP exams I also have some additional notes if you have some other thoughts that are burning yes yes mrs. Zila.
1: Um, I just had one question this when I read your report here about students not taking an AP course but taking the exam was a whole new world to me there right have, have that been a philosophy of ours for very long well
4: it's 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 been in, in that place for actually longer than than the uh, than the flip side so the 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 idea was is that students are still being presented with the AP curriculum and and that's um, and, the, and the the college board is is um, is okay with the idea of, of that happening since so students are still receiving that college pre- pre- preparatory curriculum and and those materials um, yeah they, they they can still participate in the course receive the designation on their transcript um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes... So that's it, been
1: going on for a long time. Yes. I guess I just, I don't know, that flew under the radar with me there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, really? Yes.
4: So, yeah, so a... they
1: have teachers that help them with that prep to get ready for those Correct. exams and stuff then. Right. Thank you. Mrs. Mack? Um,
7: interesting slides on the demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is a basic one, and I'm not sure if this is your lane or not, but um, we always have a concern or, uh, about students who... Um, might not know that they could take an AP class um, because they can't afford an AP exam mm.
2: um,
7: and I'm wondering what if you know what you know about um, equal opportunity for all students whether they can pay for the exam or not how does that happen in our high schools well and, and,
4: and to your point equity and access is a, a, a gigantic conversation that I think is happening not only at the national level with the college board and also even in the local level and I think we even have some people headed to a, a a conference even tomorrow to talk about equity and access in within the Johnson County School District. So uh, the question is timely in there. Um, the answer is I I I don't I don't necessarily have a don't really know how each of the schools handle that uh, individually, but it does rely on having a relationship with the student and understanding where they are, um, maybe where they are financially, um, and um, and and making sure that we reach out to those students to to make sure that we that make sure that they understand that um, the cost of the exam shouldn't be a barrier to them choosing. To so it's not, just
7: to follow up just real quick, so it's not necessarily consistent between buildings?
4: Yeah, I'm not aware of how that how okay. how consistent it is. Thank you.
5: There's also a way it's can waiver for AP or at and, least have a reduced fee.
7: And how do our students and families know that? Because you know, you sign up for classes so far in advance mm-hmm. um, that I'm wondering where that information and, and when it's shared.
5: I would have to um, ask that question. I can only talk about my own experience, mm-hmm. but my own experience as a parent is uh, back to school nights. I mean, teachers blast it in regards to um, this is when you need to up, this is if you need assistance with uh, please, please let me know. So as a parent, um, and again, I'm only speaking from one high school as a parent, but there, there's definitely information coming home with kids and through social media from the teachers that teach AP. I will also tell you my experience of teachers that teach AP. They have a really, um, they take it personal. They want kids to take the, the exam, and they want kids to do very well on it. And so I feel like they do a really good job promoting that. But again, I
6: can only speak to my own experience.
7: Thank you. Dr. Sinclair, did you
0: have
6: something? Um, yeah, um, two questions, but I also, um, uh, Ms. Zila, the my kiddos sometimes would opt not to take the AP exam because they had the college credit. They did college now and got the, rather than double testing. So they, I think a lot of kids do that,
5: and I think you Maybe see that, that ref- yeah, reflected in the data right. at schools. <clears>
6: like,
5: <throat> <throat> Shawnee Mission Northwest is a very large college now enrollment, and you'll see the a lot less kids taking it there and it's not that they're not getting credit, it's they're doing it a
6: different yeah. way. So but right. The AP right. the prep was helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. But there was a time when that was tied
6: to get
1: the AP. You, credit, had to, you had to take right. the exam to get oh, right. the AP on your on your transcript. Right. So, okay.
6: yeah. Okay. Yeah, so different question. Okay. Um, uh, so two questions. is there will there be an opportunity to look at the variability in scores. When I look at kind of the trend line of um, our students, were kind of vacillating between the 3.01 and the 2.9, and that 3 is such a big, right? That's a, Right. And right. so as we're looking at, we see these increases in kids participating, which is fantastic. So are, is there a chance for us to kind of understand the variability in those scores of... How many kids are kind of at that three versus that two versus... Well, I don't know if that information is available. Right, and so us.
4: much of it also varies a lot by course, which tests sure. where students are taking. So um, I, I have uh, 20 or 30 different no. reports that yeah, we try to okay. uh, encapsulate, encapsulate uh, together. Uh, much of it depends on the... can vary by, a little bit by teacher. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and yeah. by course and the difficulty level of the, the assessment. Uh, for example, the AP right. physics is known, it, assessment is one of, known to be one of the most difficult um, AP exams, just even nationwide. Sure. Um, so if you have more students taking the physics AP exam but maybe fewer state students taking uh, you know, AP composition, something like that, sometimes that can affect that, that, that average as well as the population changes.
6: That would be, so I'm sure you you, got, you slice and dice a whole bunch of ways. It would be interesting to understand how many kids are at that threshold of three and above as we look, that, you All know, right. who might score that passing grade that would mm-hmm. give them those credits in college and whatnot. Okay. Um, and then the other and again, um, this might be more of a Dr. Hubbard question, um, I want to circle back to a, Comment that was brought by a parent in public comment about the weighted gradings, the weighted courses for honors and AP, and when a student gets a C, you know, getting that 2.0 as opposed to a 3.0 for that weight. Is that something that could be um, discussed or maybe has been discussed? I'm not sure what all the pros and cons are. I know Dr. Strike gave a very thorough explanation of the history behind that, but I was thinking as as we're looking at post-secondary participation being a goal, college readiness, and participation in those honors classes and AP classes is so critical. It's a, it's a strong predictor of kids' um, college readiness and college participation that I'd hate for that to be a deterrent. Again, I don't know what all the pros and cons are, but it would be something I'd appreciate more insight on. So we've on. had a lot of discussion.
0: And if I can interrupt for just a second, sorry. Could you slide over by the microphone for those folks that are watching us online?
6: And I, I'm, you. I'm
0: you. not
5: expecting... And Dan, that might, you might be able to contribute to and Darren. Yeah. So, Program Studies Committee has been meeting since I don't know, probably six weeks now, and we'll be making a recommendation at the December board meeting. Am I correct? Right. Okay. And at that, uh, in that recommendation, we will be recommending the change to uh, allow the C to be weighted. That's fantastic. Anything Personally, I'm not yeah, supposed no, to advertise
6: no, so. that. I guess beforehand,
7: <laughs> but thank you for
5: that information. So.
0: Yes, Mrs. Mack.
7: I just have another quick question as I look at um, the complete report. It, I noticed that there are, um, for example, um, there are no art um, AP exams given at one of our high schools. And I know we teach art at all of our high schools. Does that mean that a teacher doesn't have a designation there in that high school? Or is that relevant?
4: There, so in order, to, in order to offer the class... Um, each teacher does have to um, submit a transcript at eight, mm-hmm. uh, to, to the college board to have that approved. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean the teachers, they're not, um, the qualifications aren't there. They're probably, one is some of those courses are enrollment based, so I'd, I'd have to look right. and see um, at the details. But the other is occasionally there is, are some courses with some very low um, AP exam participation. Um, And that that could be one of those.
7: And the reason why I'm talking, we're going to be talking about the strategic plan as we go forward. And I think one of the things that we've discussed for a long time um, is how students at one high school, for example, could take Latin at a different high school and not necessarily have to change from high school to high school. And we've obviously done that here in this building. Um, And so as I look through here, I see that there are some pockets where certain high schools don't teach or maybe don't have AP courses that a student might want to have the opportunity to take. So I I just wanted to point that out as we look at the report and and wonder if there was a reason that I'm not seeing. Uh,
4: Another another component to that is as students start looking at the colleges that they're headed to and whether or not the colleges, colleges that they're looking at will even grant college credit Mm -hmm. for that exam, so there's other factors in there um, besides whether or not a student is wanting to take the exam or wanting to take the course. So, Thank you. Mrs. Osney?
9: Yeah, I was just curious what our internal process was with regards to making sure we were reaching out to students and Patty kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, Both, I'm glad you included the free and reduced lunch information so that we can compare those, because I don't think we had that with the ACT stuff, but... um, just making sure that we're reaching all of the kids and I'm, I'm just not familiar with that outreach that we're doing um, because it looks like we have you know, a lot of participation in some of our buildings and not as much participation in others and is there something that we could be doing on our end to make sure that we're, if there are barriers to access on our end that we can be addressing removing those barriers to ensure participation in an equitable manner. That's all. And I think Patty really already touched on it, but I'm, I'm eyeing it for later strategic planning discussions and making sure that that information is communicated.
7: And I'm fairly certain that it is not consistent between our high schools. Certain high schools have foundations or what have you and others don't, and I, it's something to look at as we go forward. Right.
5: It's a great question to ask, and honestly, this is the first time I've seen this data um, since starting in Shawnee Mission, and this is my fourth year, I've seen AP data, but not broken down at this level. And so, um, I think our principals will probably tell you some of the same. So, now that we have this data in front of us, it's and we start the conversation.
9: And I'm glad it started. Mm-hmm.
8: Other board members, Dr. Fulton, like to make comment. Yeah. First of all, thank you for the report. You know, as we go into strategic planning, a big part of the work is going to be about equity and inclusion. We saw in the ACT report last week and in AP tonight, there'll be future reports coming up, that in order to see some of these trend lines change to where we do see all of our children participating in rigorous coursework, it's going to require not just work at the high schools, but actually backing into our middle schools and into the elementary schools to make sure that kids are prepared for rigorous coursework. Usually, the barrier starts before they get into high school because once they get into high school, the clock starts to tick, right? It starts, and so you have to make sure that every child is ready for rigorous high school course content. And that requires really thoughtful design that's customized to the learners that you serve in any one location. And, uh, and also dealing with access issues such mm-hmm. as Making sure kids can get uh, the type of AP classes that match up well with their areas of interest. All of that, of course, has to be done within the budget. So there, there lies the design challenge that we face. But, it's, but, but, but for, it's doable. It just takes a lot of thinking and good research and team effort to make it happen.
7: But for example, what you're talking about in design, you know, after a child, after a student is already enrolled, and the teacher says yes, you can have a scholarship or a waiver or whatever. It needs to happen before that is which, exactly one of the things you're talking about because students will not enroll in an AP class if they have barriers.
8: So that's, that's right. And if you don't know that they have those barriers, or if they're thinking, "I'm not going to sign up because I can't afford maybe a college that would, it, would that where I could take advantage of AP mm-hmm. credit," then we need to start working with them back in middle school to help to uh, think about exactly. the fact that you know those barriers may be self-imposed. Mm-hmm let's see what we can do to free you up to make sure that you have the opportunities that you need to be a successful learner. Yes, Mrs. Owsley.
9: Well, and I want to make sure that we're working from the assumption that every single student in our district that wants to participate in these programs has the opportunity and that we're going to promote these programs to those students because I think sometimes they're unfortunately from the adult end that there's a presumption that maybe certain demographics or certain geographic regions don't want to participate in certain things and um, you know, like in our our promotion of events as to what to expect in coming up to high school, and I'm just personally familiar with this because my daughter is in eighth grade right now, and what has been promoted to her with regards to what is available when she gets into high school has not included advanced placement information. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean it's not coming. It's still the fall. But as a parent, if If you don't know it's there or if you're working two jobs or if you work late in the evening or if you're doing whatever it takes to make sure that there's other things like food and shelter in your child's life, you may not be keying in on the fact that let's get prepared for AP placement when they go into high school so they can get into college. You may just be thinking, oh, um, macaroni and cheese for dinner sounds fantastic. (laughs) So. You know, and as a working parent, I frequently make macaroni and cheese, so that's not a judgment there. But I'm just saying, respective of time and effort, um, we have the ability to make sure that these kids have access to that, and so we need to do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that, that's all. That's all
0: right. <laughs> Anyone else with questions? So, Dr. Gruman, if I understand you right, you said that any of us could also take <laughs> the AP <laughs> test. Is that a challenge?
6: <laughs> well, you
0: go, Brad. <laughs> we, we fully support you You know, as, you. as, that, as that folks right? that are publicly elected, maybe that uh, U.S. government and politics AP test, maybe we should all take that? Yeah. Thank you for the presentation. We appreciate the information. Thanks. Thank you. With that, we move on to item four, which is the consent agenda. I'll first turn to the board to see if anyone would like to lift off an item for individual consideration. Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. DeLa. Thank you, Second. Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda as published, please say aye. Aye.
1: aye.
0: Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. And that moves us down the agenda to item number five, which are action items. Uh, We have an item here, which is 5.01. It's the election of the delegate to the KASB convention. Uh, We are afforded a spot at the uh, convention to uh, vote on the very items that uh, we've talked about today, including the legislative platform. And uh, in the past, we've uh, had our board member as our delegate. And uh, I'd like to see if Mrs. Zila would like to serve that as well. And if so, we will put her name forward. Vote of acclamation. (laughs) All those in favor, please say
13: aye. aye.
0: Aye. Opposed nay. And Mrs. Sinclair, uh, you serve as our legislative fair uh, legislative committee person. Would you be willing to serve as the alternate? I would. All those in favor as well, please say aye. 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 Opposed nay. Thank you for doing that, and we look forward to being there at the KSB conference in a matter of a couple of weeks. With that, we're at 5.02, and it's the approval of the playground renovation at East Antioch. Uh, Dr. Fulton,
12: do you have an update on, yeah. on that? Uh, yes, yeah, so
8: I'm going to turn that over, I believe. Who's having that? Is it Dr. Oh. Yes. yes.
12: Thank you, sir. Okay. The only thing I'd like to report this is a part of uh, Mr. Robinson's department to upgrade all of our playgrounds. Um, a reminder that once we establish a um, a standard at our new buildings, then the job is to take our um, older facilities and bring them to that standard. This is an example of that, and I'm glad I've got a chance to talk about this. This. This barely makes the cut to be an action item. Uh, with contingency, it is a quarter million dollars, I think, $2,000. But I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because this does include um, a handicap accessibility uh, built into the playgrounds that a parent came and talked to us about the other night, appreciating that we were able to do that for our son. This is a part of the new standards we set at that point in time this would be the way we'd handle these, and uh, in fact, as we look at East Antioch, that will be included. So thank you for the opportunity to speak to that. That's
7: fantastic.
0: Any questions on
7: the item? I move approval of 5.02. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All, any additional questions? All those in favor, please say aye.
7: aye. Aye.
0: Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. With that, we'll move on to item 6, which is board comments. I turn to the board for any comments. Yes, Mrs. Mack.
7: Well, I, I'm, thank you for letting me go first because I want to cotton on to what Dr. Southwick just talked about is our accessible playgrounds. And I really want to thank Variety Children's Charity. It is actually run by Shawnee Mission Parent, and they have been extremely active in our community, not only um, promoting playgrounds, and getting access for our children. But also, they have provided wheelchairs and other transportation equipment for our students over the years. And so it's just a, f- a fabulous organization. And I know a lot of Shawnee Mission patrons and students volunteer for that charity. So I just wanted to highlight them. Um, I also want to do a little promotion for the Bistro. Everything but the fundraiser. You can still order until November the 19th. There's, I put some over by where the agendas are. They have everything from homemade English muffins to pies to scalloped potatoes and everything. So um, please consider signing up for this for Thanksgiving. We all know the bistro does incredible work. So I hope that you'll consider that. And then finally, um, I attended the Shawnee, government, uh, Shawnee Chamber of Commerce Governmental Affairs meeting the other day. Kevin McAlews attends for um, the DeSoto School Board of Education, and I attend for um, Shawnee Mission. And they were discussing their legislative platform. And I just wanted everybody to know that their emphasis this year is going to be on CTE and and STEM um, positions. So they're going to talk about that in their platform. Um, I think they're going to shrink their education platform and basically say we support public education and then put an emphasis on CTE. So
6: I just wanted to share that.
0: Thank you. Other board members? Yes, Dr. Sinclair.
6: Um, I just want to say thank you to Stuart Little. Dr. Little has already responded to my question by email. <laughs> up, so thank you. Sorry, for, again, for putting you on the spot. You tend to know everything. I, I just didn't anticipate stumping you, so thank you.
0: Any other board members? Yes, Mrs. Zila.
1: I just wanted to say happy Veterans Day. This is the mm-hmm. actual Veterans Day today, and for all of you that have served or have had family members My dad, my brother, and my son were all in the military, so it's kind of a special day for us. My dad was awarded three Purple Hearts, so World War II was not very kind to him. But anyway, happy Veterans Day to all of you that have served.
0: Yes, Ms. Owsley?
9: Um, So I just wanted to follow up with a comment I made at the last board meeting. I said vote, 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 and the early voting for the demographics, our youngest voter demographics, um, 18 to 35 in 2014, there was 18.5 advanced, 18.5 thousand advanced uh, ballots cast, and in 2018, that number reached 77,000. So that voting demographic really upped their game. (laughs) And it's clearly not just because I asked them to vote, but um, I thought that was really exciting, and so I wanted to give a shout out to any students in our district who this was their first election cycle and cast a vote. So thank you.
0: Yes. Who else? It's a good.
6: It's a lovely set.
0: With that, our next board meeting is November 26th. As we mentioned earlier, we're also having our board retreat tomorrow. Uh, With that, we won't be meeting until after Thanksgiving. So I want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. Vacation, because as we know in Shawnee Mission, we've extended those days over the past couple of years, so hopefully everyone can put those to good work. With that, we are adjourned.